Hello and welcome back to our weekly podcast Shift where each week we navigate a shift in ideologies methodologies and consequences with regards to a particular topic. We hope to begin a conversation on various topics that you dear listeners will continue on our Instagram page at @shift. A hearty welcome to all our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Meg Sarkar, your host for today, and on this episode, we will be exploring the shift in the spaces of performance with reference to temple structure. Today, I have with me Mahalakshmi Prabhakar, a Bharatnatyam dancer, curator, and educator. In our conversation, I would like to discuss the relationship between a dancer and the space in which they perform. If you have ever had the chance to converse with a Bharatnatyam dancer and ask them about the parts of their repertoire, you're likely to hear the words margam, allaribu and tillana. What's interesting to me about this is that all these parts of the repertoire are actually modeled on the structure of a temple. And if we look at the history of classical dance, we can see the influence of temple structure all over. Bharatnatyam dancers in several ways demonstrate that a dancer's movement is inextricably linked to the architectural context in which they perform. This dance form began as a temple dance tradition and is now considered to be the most advanced and evolved of all the classical Indian dance styles. With Mahalakshmi Prabhakar ji, let's explore this particular shift and see what we find. Thank you so much for joining us on uh, our podcast shift. I'd like to start right away and ask you our first question. What would you say are the key differences of performing in a temple versus performing on stage? Uh hi uh, Mehak, thank you for inviting me. Uh before I answer any of these questions, I'd like to uh, qualify that I'm not a scholar. I'm just a Bharatanatyam dancer and I'm enthusiastic in an avid reader of its history and that's what I am. So I come from that space, uh, so I'd like to qualify myself before I go forward with the answers. i think one is the purpose it, it at actually i think it has to be answered at two levels one is historically and one is in today's times right in yes. history uh, historically the purpose of uh, uh, dancing in a temple had a ritualistic purpose and uh, for the temple economics the temples had appointed dancers and dance was an inherent part of the temple activity so essentially the role of the dance in the temple was to make the space auspicious to give the temple sanctity to have a ritual uh the the performances in the temple and the repertoire of the temple included pieces that sang verses in praise of gods they did uh, waving of the pot lamp and they did and uh, so the pieces that they performed in temple were suited for that purpose right like right. let's say they were, they were pieces called the kautvams all right they were very short uh, back then today we have expanded these pieces and to suit the stage and to suit the duration that we need to cater to today we are performing say for 2 hours whereas olden days of course they did perform for longer duration but when they performed in a particular shrine for a particular god it had a specific designated purpose right 
Yeah. So that, uh, so the pieces were short. They were simple. They were not as complex. The aesthetic was different. So the one of the key difference I would say is the aesthetic, and the aesthetic suited the temple and the rituals purpose. And today's aesthetic is different, and designed uh, for the stage, for the lighting, for the orchestra, for the music we use, and so on. This is one primary difference. But if you again ask me, uh, so once temple dancing was banned, it came back to temples only in the 1980s after the ban of temple dancing, right? So from 1980s to today, the purpose of dancing in a temple is very similar to uh, a stage performance, right? You have these Natyanjali's, you have Karnat festival, you have Khajuraho festival. There are dance festivals across India in temples today. One, they don't happen for a ritualistic purpose. They happen for an audience. The stage is built and hence the repertoire and uh, the performance is again suited, more suited for the stage. And it's not really a temple performance, just that it happens in that premise. Right. And uh, this in fact reminds me of a conversation I had with another Bharatanatyam dancer a while ago. And uh, she was telling me about how when she performed in a temple space, her sensibilities as a dancer would change and how um, she couldn't lift her leg or bend beyond a certain point. So could you tell me a little bit about how repertoires or choreographies also change uh, when we talk about these two different spaces? Uh, definitely now it uh, has changed a lot. Dance has changed a lot from where it was. Uh, one is a drastic change in the aesthetic of Bharatanatyam itself. Uh, over the last 50 years, the approach and the aesthetic has definitely gone through radical transformations. It's not just, it's not, a, it, it has, uh, but when you perform today on a stage, of course, you have to, it, it is a business in a sense, and you have to, it is a form, you have to entertain a certain audience, you have to cater to certain, uh, a certain audience, right? So it is not... Mm. so everything changes this even how you use the space has changed right earlier the temple space was restricted your uh, simple differences when you perform in a temple your musicians sit around you or stand around you mm -hmm. whereas now in the orchestra now your orchestra on the stage are placed on the right corner of the stage and uh, the nature of the music has changed. Today we are adapting to so many different kinds of themes, so many different kinds of, uh, uh, and even the, the quality, the, not the, by quality, I mean, even the instruments we use for music, the, the we've, we've brought in a lot of different things to suit today's audience or to cater to this market, right? It is after all, an industry yeah, and, and, and today it's also not just like you said it's not just ritualistic anymore it's kind of its own entertainment yes yes but you also should i think understand that it, earlier in the olden days also dance had both a ritualistic purpose and a secular purpose right. uh, when it was performed in the temples it was ritualistic but there were also uh, Drama, dance dramas like Kuravanjis and other things that used to happen in the temple premises, which had a, an entertainment value. Uh, 
Yeah. But also, like you had to dance was considered auspicious. So it used to happen in the king with in the courts and the royal courts. It used to happen in weddings, in anything that requires that requires any uh, auspiciousness. Or uh, dance was an integral part of all festivities. So although there was ritual, was a significant part of dance in history. It was not all of the dance. so in understanding that there are major differences between performing in a temple space versus performing on stage my next question to you would be if you believe that the modern stage takes away from the essence of bharatnatyam or what bharatnatyam should be because as we know it began as a temple dance tradition over 2000 years ago so is this modern stage a welcome shift of space i don't really have a concrete answer here for you uh, i i just think you can't say it has taken the essence away roots lie in the temple art form and it has taken the essence of the temple art form and today it is packaged differently whether it is a welcome shift or not i wouldn't comment on that uh, but it is a shift we it is a shift we all have to accept because uh, dancing in temples for a ritual purpose is not going to exist anymore so this is a very personal opinion but to it it, it yeah, to retain portions of history is something i like i would like to probably perform a piece untouched uh but that is me there are no rights and wrongs i wouldn't say the essence is different essence is taken away because the purpose is different so you cannot it's you it's not fair to compare right thank you ma'am so my next question is a little bit of a digression um from what we're talking about but i'm an indian art student uh this semester and we briefly touched upon um uh, parts of the natya shastra and as a bharatnatyam dancer i would just like to ask you because i'm curious what uh, do you feel about the way your dance form has been codified in the text ah okay so i um, the natya shastra is a 2000 year old document we all know this yeah and uh, uh, it, it as any 2000 year any any work that has been written 2000 years ago natya shastra has its share of problems in terms of codifying how a dancer should look how uh in terms of specifying your how the body should be and things like that or how uh, the complexion and things like that it's extremely problematic yes but i think we should also understand it was written in a certain time and uh, there is nothing we can do about it today or that is how i look but also on the other hand it is a extensive document that covers all aspects of dramaturgy to look at natya shastra as a bible for dance is probably inaccurate but it does have certain some information that is valuable to all of us so to completely this natya shastra or to say that it is ridiculous is something that you and me cannot do because we haven't we do not have the knowledge to read a document 
of that of that depth but i we also have to recognize that there are problems uh and take what we can from the document if we want to and why i think people are disgruntled about this is that uh, a lot of uh, dancers say that the origins of dance itself lie in the natya shastra now there are a lot of problems in this because one natya shastra's history itself is partly mythical partly historical so uh, it is not completely historical the exact date of natya shastra still remains controversial yeah we don't even, even know if one person wrote it or if a group of people yeah we know we don't know if one person wrote it or if it's a collection and uh, even things how do you date these documents that are this old it's relative right based on who's mentioned in this document based on the style of language that is used based on the words that have been used based on the structure this is how they've dated it so everything is very uh, we are not sure about many of the things that we say about the natya shastra so to completely ascribe the origins of dance to the natya shastra itself is problematic and when we say when we ascribe when we say okay dance is 2000 years old and all of dance came down from lord shiva lord brahma to the natya shastra to you and me today we are completely erasing the history in between Yeah. right and history in between is more directly connected to my history, my dance today than the natya shastra because dance if i say that dance has changed a lot from the temple art form imagine how much it it has changed from the times of the natya shastra right so to completely say that bharatanatyam owes its origin to the natya shastra is problematic and of course we've got things like the rasabhava theory and everything from the natya shastra which is so widely still understood and still appreciated across absolutely and rasabhava theory is studied in so many different streams right yeah you can't negate that yeah absolutely i agree with you on that ma'am uh when i when i was thinking about the natya shastra automatically to my mind i also thought about art history and you know uh, india is so rich in its art history and if you'd see from the first century bc on the wall of walls of caves in the jain temples uh, where you see there are carvings of uh, dancing bodies with musicians and uh, all those representations uh, present as would you say uh, that art history is more of a honest representation of the socio cultural situation in any period whether whether it is an honest representation or not it is a very important representation so this is something that i always say that dance history is a part of indian history it is indian history and you don't have to look at it as dance history and indian history it is a part Sorry. of the history yeah. also again when we talk about history i think we start boxing it as bharatanatyam history as odc history as kathak history but all these histories are connected it is not they are not in i they don't happen in isolation what happened in the south influenced uh, the notch movement it was one move, almost it was called the notch anti notch movement yeah. right so yeah. uh, they are all very connected 
dance history let's say is so tied to so many factors right because dance history is uh, related to temple history dance history is related to music history even in a sense fashion right because costuming costuming has changed so the aesthetics have changed uh, dance history is related to the political movements that have taken place dance history uh, is related to patriarchy dance so uh, dance history is There's so important all of it yeah all of it. dance even if you look at even pedagogy has changed in dance yeah thank you ma'am it uh, really does make you wonder what our understanding of indian culture tradition or history would have been had these performing arts or dance history been included in our syllabus instead of a linear timeline in our history textbooks this brings me to my next question which is where would you say or what is the position of the bharatnatyam dancer in society today because as we know um they have in the past occupied various different roles you should associate a bharatanatyam dancer as a normal person because today i think we uh look at bharatanatyam dancers as a a representative of culture and tradition which is partly true but you know there is also this certain aura that comes with these words that tradition culture and we sort of tend to place these things at a higher pedestal for example i this relate, is, i relate to this so much because i just i'm sorry to cut you off but uh, you know when i think about a bharatanatyam dancer it's so intimidating sometimes for me as a non non dancer to be able to uh, watch a performance and say oh i understood everything in that there's always this that kind of intimidation uh i think the first step is to think that da- dancers are an integral part of society and they are it is like doing any other job it, it is a very demanding job but all other jobs are as demanding about your the part where you spoke about uh you feel intimidated i do understand where you're coming from because a lot of pieces are very religious rooted in uh religion and uh, spirituality and a lot of difficult terms and in languages that we don't understand yeah uh, so it does get hard for an audience also when we have things like netflix we have podcasts we have thing, we have art we have forms that we are able to decipher easily right yeah. whereas you have watching a bharatanatyam performance first of all you probably don't relate to that particular story of lord rama or that episode from mahabharata you've not heard of and then these hastas and uh, seem uh, uh, you 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 don't identify with them so i do understand the disconnect and that is where i think i personally think we have art or art has to become simple and the rasikas the audience also should take that one step forward in to understand trying to understand uh, it is a it is a two way process both the artist and the audience has to take that uh, effort uh, but i understand where you're coming from but i think 
but there's a lot of work being done in this space. One, I, I see a lot of dancers doing fantastic work today in more commonplace themes, in themes that we you can relate to. So probably that's a good space to begin for people who want to watch, you know, start watching themes that you think you can immediately relate to uh, and slowly try and watch other things so you can build your understanding of the art form. Yeah, so that is and this my is where I where I feel like, you know, this Indian art and dance history understanding, if, if it was inculcated in our in our syllabus, in our curriculum, understanding dance to be such an important... Absolutely. Yeah, this is something I really wanted to say because I, uh, let's, because I, I have read about architecture. I've read so much about the Chola temples and the Mughal architecture. I really want to go visit these monuments, right? Uh, and I always make it a point. But with respect to dance history or there is no reference to that in our curriculum or in our at all. school or in our any conversation, right? At all. So, uh, so there is no motivation to go watch or to know what it is. And this is something I I wanted to say. I, I just missed. <laughs> everything that we see, like in terms of temple structures and everything, because of the way we're taught it, we're taught it in such a linear perspective. We don't aim to understand further and that somehow seeps into our understanding of watching performances and understand and appreciating them we were so used to everything being so linear for us that taking that extra thing to understand okay this is what the performance is trying to say becomes uh becomes intimidating because we're not used to it uh taking off this itself like we spoke about we spoke a little bit about the temple space we spoke a little bit about the stage uh just what do you feel about online space? Now, that's a new space that we've been introduced to. And how has Bharatnatyam, you would say, adapted to that? So I think we're in a very important moment in dance history. Dance has moved from temples to courts, to theatres, uh, to, to sabhas. And today we have it on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. I, I do think it's a great, a welcome shift. Mm -hmm. uh, one dance, I think Bharatanatyam dancers have adapted brilliantly to camera. Uh, uh, and it's fascinating to watch some of this work. Although we do, I, I definitely miss live performances because there is some fatigue watching things online. Yeah. But that said, uh, there is a lot of innovation possible in uh, uh, digital work. Uh, all, although this is again very uh, controversial for me to say that you know reels are uh, definitely if you do an Instagram reel you're not giving a sense of the art but I think it's helping the, us to reach more people. Uh, it is one it is also it's helping more artists get recognized Otherwise, there, there is a, it's, it's a very it, it, it's very political to get to get to perform to apply to a sabha to get a slot in a performance. It's very hard. It's not very easy for a dancer to find avenues to perform. Today, yeah. I don't need an avenue. I can create my own space to perform. Right? Yeah. I, social media I, creates that kind of open stage for all performers. And uh, so, social media, I think, has become a very democratic space. 
but like all things yes there are problems associated but i i really wish to only see the positives here because there is a lot of scope i see a lot of fantastic work coming out a lot of people being able to promote themselves otherwise we wouldn't know their names uh and uh, even talking about conversations about dance history conversations about the politics have happened because of social media and there are there are these avenues to connect to people so i think we are in a very important moment in dance history uh be it performance history or even the the kind of dialogues we are able to have today it is remarkable so i am really looking forward to what what is in hold for the future like <laughs> yes absolutely and i think this would be a great close to our conversation today thank you so much mahalakshmi ma'am for joining me on the shift podcast and discussing the spaces of performance and indian tradition and culture and bharatnatyam with me i have truly had such a wonderful time speaking with you thank you so much my friend yeah thank you thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the shift podcast i hope you enjoyed and took something away from this conversation stay tuned for the next episode and in the meantime follow our instagram page at the rate the shift podcast underscore underscore and keep the conversation alive